Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You might want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. We're going to look at uh, a passage in Romans chapter 1 in just a moment. Let me uh, say how good it is to be back with you. Uh, Some of you we've known all our lives almost, and uh, it's good to be in Franklin always. We're going to be studying this week a little different uh, type of lessons than are usual for me. Uh, My uh, modus operandi usually is to take a text and to analyze that text and to uh, preach from the biblical text and uh, study uh, primarily uh, Bible passages, expository type lessons. These lessons this week are going to deal with evidences and evolution. And uh, as I say, that's a little different for me, but I hope that uh, we can learn some things together that will be helpful and that these lessons will be beneficial to all of us. Through the week, we're going to be talking about uh, what we don't believe a lot and showing evidence for why we believe in an intelligent designer of this universe of the things that are in the world and animals and man. And we'll be studying that uh, through the week, uh, as will be the classes in your, uh, among your younger people in the Vacation Bible School. But uh, for today, we're going to talk more about what we firmly believe, first about God, and then about Jesus Christ, and then about the Bible. And I want to say uh, up front in this series of lessons, sometimes when we study uh, intelligent design or we look at uh, these kinds of uh, uh, propositions that are posed by uh, macroevolutionists or by uh, atheists, uh, we do that uh, from a purely secular uh, point of view. Uh, We're unashamed in our beliefs, and it should be understood up front uh, that we have very strong convictions and faith regarding spiritual matters. I make no uh, apologies for that. I make no explanations really about that to groups like this because all of you share that faith or you would not be here today. And so uh, we do... uh, We will talk today about some evidences of things that are critical and at the core of what we believe. We'll talk about God first, we'll talk about Christ, and then we'll talk about the Bible some this evening. As we observe the world, there are uh, many evidences of uh, design and order. Uh, There is intelligence uh, behind the universe in which we live. And to me, it is illogical and inconsistent and without any intellectual basis at all to conclude that everything in this complex universe just happened. Now, that's what we'll be talking about uh, through the week. And I think that is supported by a passage in the Psalms, of course, that you're very familiar with. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. 
day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard, where the voice of those evidences that God is appears, uh, there, there is speech. So, he says, their line has gone out through all the earth and their worlds to the end of the world. Now then, uh, with that in mind, what that, what that is saying is that God has put his evidences into the vision of mankind. In other words, we can see it, we can understand it. But behind that is the understanding that we are intelligent beings and that we have the capacity to look at the evidences and understand uh, what they say to us. If you go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 1, you have your Bibles, I'm sure. God said in verse 26 of chapter 1, after making all these other things that are around us, all the other life in the on the earth that we experience, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man different from everything else that he has made. And that is important. The way that is explained in this text is that God made man in his own image, in God's own image. So we might ask, uh, just what does that mean? And uh, when you think of an image, you think of resemblance, don't you? So first of all, maybe we should say this, we are in his image by resemblance. Now that doesn't mean physical resemblance. God is spirit. So we have to look beyond what is physical to see what we are in the image of God. That makes a difference, I think. And what we're going to look for is uh, that spiritual semblance. We will look for intelligence. Man is an intellectual being. Uh, far above any of God's other creation, he is made in the image of God in terms of intelligence, rational. Man is a rational being. But he is also a spiritual being, and that means that he is ethical, that man has a moral uh, character about him. Now, that's going to be different. That's above all of the animal of creation. So man is inventive, he is uh, uh, creative in his uh, intelligence, in his, in his thinking. He is emotional, he is loving, he is capable of the kind of love that uh, is uh, uh, based upon 
intelligence uh, reasoning uh, and thinking, and he is conscientious. He is uh, moral, has a moral sense of ought in his uh, uh, makeup. So man is made that way, made in the image of God. Man is also in the image of God in terms of uh, uh, the representation of his being. He is a uh, he represents God in a way in this world. And uh, just to illustrate that, the text says he is given dominion over every other living thing on this earth. So, by representation, as well as by resemblance, we are made in the image of God. We're given authority uh, to rule over the things uh, of, of the earth, and we're given responsibility to take care of it. And that implies accountability. Now, if you're accountable, if you're responsible, then that implies moral and ethical nature or character. So you see where we're going uh, with this. There is something very special about human beings. And uh, what man is then as a moral being is evidence that he was created by a moral being. Our point is going to be that you can't uh, just evolve morality. You don't just evolve uh, ethical accountability and responsibility. So God made man. He made man a spiritual being. We're not animals. I'm not going to be referring to us as animals, although we will talk some about biological uh, evidence uh, later of intelligent design as we go through the week. But uh, God made us spiritual beings. God made us human beings. Uh, we're not uh, angels. Uh, Linda is, but the rest of us aren't. And uh, we're, we're not uh, uh, animals, as I said a while ago. Uh, God made us superior beings. We're not equal to uh, the animal creation. And we're superior in this spiritual, intellectual, and moral or ethical uh, character uh, that is ours. And God uh, made us, uh, according to the text, this is an important point in the next uh, verses or two, uh, verse 28, for example, where he says, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. God made us heterosexual beings. We're not asexual and we're not uh, homosexual by nature, but made by God. So, uh, uh, that talks to the question of the character of man. Now, that leads us to our uh, base passage for the next few minutes. And this is found in Romans chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul says, Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, 
being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Uh, we'll be referring back to this passage through the week as we look at the universe and we look at uh, uh, the animal creation, the fossil record. We'll look at it uh, when we talk about man a little bit later in the week. And then he says in verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Now, they would only have responsibility to glorify God as moral beings, as ethical beings. Animals don't have, your puppy dog doesn't have a, a responsibility to uh, glorify God. You're, uh, it, it may do that in some ways by its existence, but not by its conscious action, you see. Uh, your uh, kitty cat uh, has no accountability before God. God is not going to bring your cat before judgment in the, in the final day to give account of what he's done in the body, whether it's good or bad. You see, God doesn't do that with the animal creation. So he says, man, these men did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. What man did, rather than glorify God as his creator, Brought, them, brought him down to the position not just of men, but to the position of creeping things, animal life, zoological life, you see. So man is responsible because of that. And so as you go on down through this text, very quickly I'll just say, God gave them up to uncleanness, they dishonor their bodies, he says, in verse 24. God gave them up to vile passions. They did what was shameful. God gave them to, be, to, be, to have debased minds. They were filled with unrighteousness. You recognize all these phrases as you read, look at your text in Romans 1. They deserve death, he says. They approve others doing evil. All right? So now that's, that speaks to the nature of man as a moral being. Now what we're going to do is turn that around and see that that did not just evolve. It did not just happen that we have this moral consciousness, that we all have a conscience about right and wrong. That uh, did not happen through some natural process. It happened through supernatural creation, and it evidences that creation, you see. It speaks to intelligent design of human beings. 
because we are so much higher than anything else God created in terms of the very nature of our being and our character. And frankly, I had rather argue almost from the moral point of view the existence of God than any other thing, than any other point. I think it is one of the strongest arguments that God exists uh, to speak as we are doing uh, right now, thinking that man just evolved, that man's moral conscience, consciousness just evolved is a weak effort uh, to deny God. The most reasonable conclusion is that some intelligent being brought all this into existence. So I would like for us uh, to think about ourselves and how we are made uh, spiritually uh, for just a few moments from this moral and spiritual point of view. So you'll have to tell me again what time do you have... 9.45 is when I quit. Okay, do we have bells? Oh, bells are going off in this church. Okay, what time do the bells go off? At 9.45? 9.40 and 9.45, okay. All right, well, let's, uh, let's start with this. All human beings have a moral sense. I believe that. A human being is not just a marvelously formed creature of flesh and blood. Uh, there is something more to him. And as I said a while ago, this is not true of animals. Not even the highest order of animals which scientists think are the closest to us and which they examine uh, the levels of intelligence and all of those kinds of things have a sense of right and wrong a conscience that governs us when we make our uh, choices. Our conscience pricks us when we do what is wrong, when we fail to do what we need to do, or when we do what is wrong to do. Either side of that, our conscience bothers us as human beings. And that is true of all human beings. We call on others around us to live by moral and ethical principles which we understand and we, which we expect others, uh, even, even strangers, uh, to understand as well. Because a person is a human being, we even make arguments when some other human being's behavior doesn't measure up to a moral or ethical standard that we assume every rational person should live by. Sometimes uh, I say to a person, how would you like it if someone did that to you? Jesus said that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And what am I saying when I say that? Well, I am saying that they have chosen to do something that they ought not to do. Immanuel Kant talked uh, about the moral ought, O-U-G-H-T. And what he meant by that was that there are uh, standards of morality for all human beings uh, that people ought 
to do. That, that is a moral argument that Kant was making. He, he was saying, we all ought to understand uh, some things. And I know that you believe that. Those of you that are in this room, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be seeking a spiritual existence and relationship with God if you didn't believe that. Now, implicit in that is the recognition that there is some objective standard that we go by. The objective standard for us ultimately is going to be the character of God himself, isn't it? We believe that God's laws and God's rules come from God's own character. Love, for example. God is love, so we are to be filled with love ourselves. We could go down a long list uh, of those. You wouldn't say that, as we said a while ago, to an animal. I know uh, you may uh, personify your animal. You may say, you're a bad dog. You know. but, but you don't really mean the dog's going to hell. And you don't really mean that the dog sinned uh, before, before God. You're not making arguments to your pet expecting him to reason with you on a moral basis. You're going to spank him or stick his nose in it or do something, aren't you, to make him stop what, what he's doing. You're not going to reason with him in the same way that you would reason uh, with a person. Uh, you don't try to marry your cows uh, to one another, uh, do you? And you, you don't argue with, with uh, uh, a bull out here in the field that he shouldn't take another bull's wife. You, you don't do that, do you? And that's a, that's a part. You don't explain uh, to your cats that they shouldn't drink each other's milk because that's selfish and because uh, they shouldn't be selfish. You, you don't say, how would you like it if a bigger cat drank your milk? You, you, you don't argue that way uh, with an animal. You do argue that way with your fellow human beings. That's because we are different. Even when we're little children, we know that there are some things we just don't do that, that are right. You all uh, have probably read Robert Fulgham's book, All I Ever Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Do you remember that book? And these are just, uh, what, four or five of, uh, of the things that he said. Share everything. Well, you don't say that to your pet. Uh, play fair. Don't hit people. Don't take things that are not yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Well, those are good rules for life. But those are things you can teach children because they're basic to living as human beings. These are standards of what is fair and right, uh, equity, ethical, fair play. That's, that's what this is talking about. We reason that way and we expect others to recognize those same moral 
principles. And you may catch this coming back yourself. For example, your child may say to you, Dad, you promised. And what does he mean by that? Well, it's not right to promise and not keep your word. You don't lie to your children, you see. So morality and ethics, the sense of ought, they raise us up above uh, the animal creation. Now, let's talk about that just a minute. All human beings have a similar sense of ought. All people have a moral sense, no matter where you go in the world, no matter how far back you go in history. Now, I'm not saying that everybody lives by their moral standards, and I'm not saying that all applications of moral standards are the same. All don't believe the same things about morality in the fine points of that. And uh, we, we understand that. But all have a similar moral sense. You can point out differences, but not widely divergent moral systems. It might uh, seem that way to us because we get in very heated moral arguments sometimes. Uh, uh, abortion, for example. Uh, is it morally uh, wrong, and it, sometimes it seems that uh, we're poles uh, apart. But I think the thing to remember here is that we're we're fairly narrowly focused in the in the big picture uh, when we argue uh, that way. If we back up, everybody agrees that we don't have a right to kill just anybody we want to. In fact, the premise is that there is sanctity of human life, so the argument becomes focused on whether or not this is human life. Do you see what I'm saying here? Everybody agrees that we don't have the right to kill each other. So, the abortionist has to argue this is not really a human life. This is not really a human being that we're killing. So, I'm, I'm back to our, our point uh, about having a similar uh, moral standard that we all live by. Some say sex out of marriage is all right, for example. And there are different moral views of that. But if you back up, everybody agrees that you don't have a right to force anybody, to force somebody sexually. You can look at these uh, cases. Uh, the one I guess I remembered the most when I was thinking about talking to you about this this morning is this uh, Kobe Bryant case that took place a while back. And uh, while he uh, seemed to have this uh, okay, blasé kind of an attitude about doing whatever he wanted to when he was caught. Uh, he had to come on television and tell all of us that he didn't believe it was right to cheat on his wife. Of course, she was sitting right there, and uh, she wasn't buying that. 
he had to agree that it was wrong to take a woman against her will and all that. The amazing fact about human beings is that uh, Kobe knew he shouldn't be doing that. Now, his practice was something else. His lifestyle was something else. But he knew he shouldn't be doing what he was doing. So, sometimes, even the arguments that appear to go against the fact that we all have the same basic moral standard turn around and establish the truthfulness of what we're talking about. Have you ever known anybody, anybody, somebody anywhere who felt guilty for telling a lie? Well, sure you have. In fact, most people do. All right. Have you ever known someone who felt guilty because he didn't tell a lie? Now, he may feel that practically he should have told the lie to get what he wanted. But did he feel guilty morally for doing that, for not telling a lie? I doubt it. I'm so sorry. I, I talked to many people today. I just haven't lied all day. I haven't told a lie all day. I'm, I'm such a bad person because I haven't told a lie today. Well, nobody argues that way. So that is our, our, our point. Ever feel, you ever know anybody who, who felt guilty because he didn't hurt somebody else today? I, I just didn't hit anybody today. I'm so sorry. Well, John Wayne, macho, Terminator kind of mentality maybe, but uh, what's wrong with me? I didn't kill anybody today. Well, only someone who's mentally deranged would have that kind of uh, feeling. No matter how evil we are, we have that sense of what we're uh, talking about. Even uh, Muslim uh, militants, uh, suicide bombers, terrorists, all think they are justified in what they are doing and try to justify what they are doing by whatever standards uh, uh, they have. It's distorted by God's standard, but they try to do that. Now then, so all human beings have a moral sense. All human beings have a similar moral sense. And then all human beings violate their moral sense, their standards. And the reason I say it this way is because that leads to conscience. Are stricken by conscience. People, when violating their moral standards, uh, have a sensitivity about that. All of us violate our moral sense. Paul said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we argue that we all have a moral sense, we are not really now talking about the way we behave. Remember that a while ago. 
I said that. We're talking about what is in us. We are talking about what we ought to do as human beings. Uh, have you ever uh, known anybody who said, I have never done anything wrong? Well, a few politicians have said that and, uh, on television. But uh, really, when thinking about life and thinking about ourselves, and being uh, sensitive about that. Uh, I, I know people that won't admit it when they're doing wrong. Uh, I, I know uh, one man in, in particular who would probably die before he would tell me or some of the people that we work with uh, that he had done the wrong thing about anything. But uh, uh, I... I uh, I don't know anybody that doesn't. In fact, we all know that we have done wrong and that in, and, the, and we all have a conscience about that. And we all uh, think about it. Now, the question is, how do you explain that? How do you explain that we have a conscience? I explain it by the fact that we are made by a reasonable, moral, ethical designer to put that into it. We are made by a being who is a moral being. And so, in the last part of Romans 1, God gives a list of things that moral human beings should recognize that they should never do. In fact, he gives a list there of things that a person who does deserves to die for. And so, we look in Romans 2, verses 14 and 15. You still have your Bible open there? Do I have that on the screen? Yeah. When Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things contained in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. The Bible says that we're made by a moral God, and that explains the difference in ourselves and animals. We think about morality as we do because the God who made us is a moral being. And that being true, the standard is not just a subjective thing that we live by. It is an objective, authoritative thing. The Bible contains God's Word. And that is objective. And we live by that. He didn't say, you should have no other gods before me. He said, have no other gods before me. And he didn't say, uh, it would be best if you didn't take your neighbor's wife or take your neighbor's things or lie to your neighbor. He said, thou shalt not do that. That's objective. And that's authoritative. And it is the God who made us who said that. 
Now, if you take the naturalist point of view, which we'll be talking about this week, everything naturally evolved. That's what you say first. You agree that everything naturally evolved, so everything came about by chance, so there is no God, so there is no real moral standard. And what that says is that we all came to have conscience by chance. That it just evolved within us. And the question is, is that plausible? If that is true, then nothing is morally right and wrong. It's not morally wrong to kill somebody. That's just a social thing. If atheism is right, then morality is just something you feel. It's not real. Of course, that's what a lot of atheists would like for you to believe. All people act as if there are moral standards. If atheists act as if morality is objective, then they dispute their own claims. So... Uh, Atheists uh, write about uh, social injustices, for example. Let's see, I think I put a statement from the Humanist Manifesto up here, which says, no deity will save us. We must save ourselves. This is, of course, written by secular humanists. I want you to look at the self-contradiction in this. Promises of immortal salvation or fear of eternal damnation are harmful and distract humans from present concerns and self-actualization and from rectifying social injustices. Now, here's our question. What socialist injustices? Who determines what a social injustice is? How are they social injustices? On what basis do you determine that they should be out, uh, these people should be out crusading for causes of right and wrong? Who, who decides that our causing global warming is wrong? Who decides that killing animals is wrong? Who decides all these social issues? And how are they to be identified as social Injustices. Well, the atheist has no basis, really, for his standards. He has no firm ground or foundation on which to build that. No argument that anything he says about right and wrong is authoritative and must be accepted uh, by other people. So the most reasonable explanation for why we do believe there is right and wrong is that God is. God is. God made us. God put this in us. And therefore we have a standard. You see, that's the argument, basically. And if one doesn't believe in God, he should never argue anything from a moral point of view, because he has no basis for 
an argument. It makes sense then that there will be judgment. We move from, of course, that to accountability. And there will be judgment. God says we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give account of the things done in the body. Understanding that a moral being created us and that we are responsible to him, Romans chapter 1, then we understand we will appear before him to give account of all the things done in the body. The question is, are we ready to do that? Are we ready to give account? And are we following this God and his direction that we believe in? That's the point.